I yelled a lot. Um, I was really mean. Um, I was a bitch um, because I was like, I am, I'm gonna fucking make this happen. Like this is happening. I don't care who I've got to take out right in my way. And if you're in my way. Why are, why do we eat our own? Why do women, why are we so hard on ourselves as women and hard on each other? We women kind of think we're all by ourselves. Like, like we think we're the only ones experiencing it or, you know, and, and um, that there's something wrong with us because we're getting treated a certain way or we aren't as good or we don't know if things might not come as natural to us. And so we're like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. And it's like. The ultimate compliment is to be considered an asset by those who know you. But what exactly does that mean? And how do we get there? I believe that there is a less discussed approach to becoming a person of value, a person who is successful, respected by others, and fulfilled. It's somewhere between the hustle culture and the ease and flow of manifestation. This podcast is designed to be a resource for the ambitious, the relentless, and the rare who are breaking societal norms, going against the grain, and are open to unconventional practices as we study what it takes to be a true asset in every area of life. My hope is that you'll find this podcast unique and like it enough to share it with a friend and maybe even one day join us at one of our in-person events. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? I'm so excited to bring to you our next guest. I think you're going to love her. Tina, can you please introduce yourself to everybody? Absolutely. My name is Tina Gooding. I am the co-owner of Fortis Tactical Systems. It's it's a company out of South Carolina that specializes in uh, training for female law enforcement, but also um, civilians in handgun uh, training and also just personal self-defense and personal protection. Tina, how did you get into that? I was in law enforcement for 26 years and um, worked the last uh, traditional police department I worked at was a university campus. And so teaching faculty and staff and students self-defense, I started uh, that program in 2005. And that kind of is how I started to become very passionate about that. Um, The female officer survival school that I teach started in 2011. And um, it is changed a lot. When I first started, I had a a mentor of mine. He's actually my defensive tactics instructor, instructor, and he didn't work with me. He worked at a different police department, but he called me one day and was like, I think you need to do a female only class. And I said, why in the world would I do that? (laughs) Like, like, no, absolutely not. Um, And uh, so the more I thought about it and the more I like started to put together some curriculum, I was like, okay, maybe Maybe we can work this out. And but over the years, it's definitely transformed. We used to teach to like departments would request and we didn't make any money. It was basically part of our job description from our police department, the instructors that I would find, which were few and far between women that were firearms or DT or active shooter. It kind of there's some slim pickings Um, and then picking instructors who are there to actually teach, not really show what they know, but try to make sure that the students are getting something out of it, not just look at me, look at me as an instructor was pretty hard too. Mm. Um, But so over the years it's developed and um, now we teach just at one location, not saying it will stay that way forever, but um, it's a tactical training center in Lawrence, South Carolina. And, but we all stay there. It used to be the attendees would leave and go home at night or go back, you know, to their hotel and 
since we're, we've been at the sawmill, we realize and see that there's so much bonding that happens at night that I don't know that I'll ever go back to the old way. I've had several departments reach out, please, please come teach here. And I'm like, no, because you, there's no facility you have that we can all hang out and stay together. Um, so. I love that. I love that so much because um, I'm just coming off of a, of a three-day training that um, I'm part of hosting with a team. It's not for female cops or anything, but um, the bonding is huge. We all stayed together on facility and it's just, you're so right. Like it's the fire pit talk. It's the, you know, just hanging out and, and getting to know one another. Yeah. And, and especially in our community of women on the front lines, right? Um, Cause what I have found, and I'd love to hear your experience with this, but I have just found um, for doing this for so long is that we women kind of think we're all by ourselves. Like, like we think we're the only ones experiencing it or, you know, and, and um, that there's something wrong with us because we're getting treated a certain way, or we aren't as good, or we don't know if things might not come as natural to us. And so we're like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. And it's like, no, you're not. Well, and I think just culturally law enforcement silos women, it's like, we got to have one woman on a shift, right? Like the, the, just, just to make things work or make the demographics work or make it be diverse. Like I get those reasonings, but what happens is we are not able to form relationships with other women in law enforcement. And we are our own worst enemy. Like we are harder on other women cops than we would ever be on any male cops. And so when we don't have those relationships or those understandings or just different perspectives, we have a tendency to not want to build a relationship. It's like, no, I don't want to have a relationship with her. Like she's, you know, she wears too much makeup or her pants are too tight or she's sleeping with everybody, whatever it is that we are judging each other on and realizing that most of those are also misperceptions, but also a lot of times, and I don't think the men do it on purpose by no stretch of the imagination, but they pit us against each other because they actually kind of think it's funny and like the drama um and we 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 play into that instead of you know fighting back really so and I think just coming together a room full all women nobody's judging well and if we do we say it out loud right nobody's judging mm -hmm. behind your back we're just like creating an environment and that's what I found to be so successful with female officer survival is there's a lot of time in training that you're the only girl um, maybe you're not confident in your abilities, but when you go in and you see you're the only girl, you automatically are like, I have to perform at 110% to be accepted. I have to. And then you get in your head and then you get so nervous that you underperform. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of the confidence issue comes in. And so at female officer survival, it's like, like, let's do this. Let's figure out why you're doing what you're doing. Are you just doing it because some man told you to do it that way? when they might not even know what they're talking about right. and that's just what you've done or are you doing it because this is what this is how you feel strong or you just don't know you don't even know why you're doing it you're just doing it right. um and we we really talk through that and you know it's it's like I can give you a technique or a tactic but it mm -hmm. might not work for you you're different I mean even though we are kind of the same like our upper body strength is a little bit the same but like I'm short so we have some you know taller women that like you know, using their lower body might be not as easy for them because they're too tall or their legs are too long. And so we just, we work through it and it's not like a one size fits all. And I think that environment helps women relax a little more and really actually learn. Like they're just not sitting there like all freaked out. They're actually listening and learning and processing. 
I love what you just said about that too. Um, you said a lot of things in there I want to touch on, but you, you know, I love that because like, I just remember in the Academy from like my experience, there were times, um, that I was very, very nervous there, you know, and I don't think I was learning anything because I was like too busy shooting my pants over whatever. And, um, then, you know, what I would be nervous over, maybe another girl wouldn't be and vice versa. And like, so like we would, like, we would talk about it and then we both like, I didn't learn anything. I don't even know what we talked about. And it's like, because I was so busy being scared. So like, I really, I really love that. And and I think that, you know, for our listeners listening, I, I really hope that you, that sinks in, um, to be able to go and train in an environment where you don't have to continuously prove yourself, where you can just show up and just be yourself and be like, Hey, cause he, he, you know, and it's so funny. I, I had this, I was, I'm actually going to do a whole podcast episode on this, Tina, but this is, this is, was, I want to talk about this. The illusion that we, what happens with us is that if we aren't comfortable with something, then we shy away from it. Like the illusion is we have to be great at everything, especially because you're a cop. So examples, and I know you know this. Okay, well, I'm not going to go train Brazilian jiu-jitsu or I'm not going to go train in the martial arts because I'm a cop and I should be able to handle myself, but I really am not comfortable with it. But I'm So I'm not going out there and showing anybody that I'm this, this, and this. I'm not going to go train with my firearm. I'm not going to go and train with a bunch of guys because they're going to see that I'm not comfortable with it, right? So we shy away and that perpetuates the problem. That makes us a victim. And we don't want to be a victim of those circumstances. We have to, you know, we have to find ways to face it head on, which is why I just love what you do so much because it gives women an opportunity to, you know, grab the, you know, bull right by the horns, but do it in a way that, like you just said, they're going to learn. They're not going to be judged. They're going to be surrounded by women just like them like-minded women. I love that. Now, well, and a lot of times too, in the DT training environment or firearms environment, it's like a lot of times departments are just checking a box. It's like, you're not, you know, let me go hit a bag with a baton 10 times and, and they're not actually learning anything, but that, or maybe they don't even do DT once a year. They might only do it at the academy and, and this is the ability, and so they don't know what to do. And that then, to me, is, leads to so many um, uses of forces with a firearm that if they had the tools to be able to go hands-on and fight someone bigger than them, they would not need to resort to that. They would have other, you know, options. Um, but if they're not, nobody ever teaches them, and that's what's so funny to me is sometimes we hear, well, you know, they're not getting in the fight. Well, they don't know what to do. You know, you, Especially generationally now, like fighting is not an acceptable form of problem solving, even though sometimes it's the only way to solve a problem. Um, and so they come in law enforcement. We just think, well, they've gone to DT. It's like, well, defensive tactics is not a fight. Defensive tactics no. is using a technique that it's controlling somebody who lets you use the technique to control them. <laughs> it's not a fight. Um, and but in their DTs, if they've got a guy partner. The guy usually is either so scared to touch him because he doesn't want to hurt him or he doesn't want to touch a boob or, you know, get accused of some kind of sexual harassment, or they're going 110% to kind of say, look, you know, I have a bigger penis than you, which, you know, whatever. And now they're just afraid of getting hurt. And so that it's just this, like you said, it perpetuates the standard of training that just is not there. 100%. 
100%. I'd like to ask you something. What's your opinion on why, why are, why do we eat our own? Why do women, why are we so hard on ourselves as women and hard on each other? I think culturally, I've done a lot of research on the conditioning of women and then vice versa, the conditioning of men and how it's very different. But I also think culturally, and we also are worse on ourselves because we created this, like, I'm an independent woman. I don't need anybody, which good, be an independent woman until that independent woman is what is making you burn out and you doing jobs that aren't your responsibility. It's invisible labor, basically. Like you're doing things for everyone else because you think you're supposed to, um, and you're now you're burning yourself out and not asking for help because I'm an independent woman. And if I ask for help, then I'm somehow not strong enough. Mm-hmm. And it's understanding there's got to be a balance of, and I think it's also because we just don't know. We're, you come into a male-dominated field and you're told you are too, or you feel like maybe you're not actually nobody says it, but sometimes they do, you know, you're not a woman anymore. You're a cop. Yep. Which of course is asinine because you're still a woman, you know, and, but we don't do training on what that means. How are we different? Why are we different? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when you have a situation where you do have an officer, maybe that there is sexual relations going on, there's no conversation to say why it's, not the best thing or why it's not the help most healthy thing or why why is this not going to help you in your career down the road and I'm not saying it's fair it's not fair you know because a guy can sleep with whoever he wants and it doesn't matter and we can't um and we know that but if you don't have anybody in your command staff that's a woman and statistically speaking you know there's only 13 percent of women in law enforcement totally and now you talk about a command staff or a mentor or somebody in the upper chain of command that's usually not there to be able to look at you and, and do it in a caring way where it's not judging and say, this is why this might not be the best thing for you to do. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of turn our heads and we're like, well, whatever, you know, none of my business. Um, and I think that's how we end up going down these rabbit holes. And then we end up just hating other women because we're like, well, there you go. You know, you look at what happened in Tennessee and I saw so many officers Me bashing too. her, bashing her. And I was like, look, you, you don't know what she's been through. <laughs> like, no idea. No and, idea. So, And I fully agree. Um, I fully agree with that. And, and I'm glad you brought up the Tennessee thing because I don't agree with all these people bashing her, especially women. If you, you have no idea, I can tell you this. Um, they're like, people will say things that I fucked my Lieutenant. <clears throat> what? Like, okay. I mean, the, you, she, Autumn's fucked her whole police department. I've worked for um, four police departments and um, I had sexual relations with one. I will tell you that. I'll be honest with you. The first department I ever worked for. And now I talk people, I tell people and I say, listen to me, don't do what I did. Like, don't, don't do this. Right. Like I made a mistake. I was three, I was three months on the road, but, but the thing is, is like, I did it and I did it much worse than you. First department I've worked for, I, I can't, I wish I could count how many of my coworkers I said, but I don't remember. And but not, the thing it was, was it was, for me, it was a way to, I don't want to say, a, for me, I saw it was a way of establishing control and power in a situation that I did not feel. Mm-hmm. I knew how to control. And I knew that with that, I could, to a certain extent, is, is my way of thinking. Um, 
and and because I, I didn't know any better, I didn't realize that wasn't actually control and power. It was it was really I was in a situation where I just felt powerless, so that was my way of taking back my power. I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, no. And thank goodness I had a second chance. I went to a different department and was able to rebuild my that's my it. reputation, my career, my yeah. And and thank you for being vulnerable with me and and because I think I think women need to know that like you know and I. I will be honest and I'll out myself right now. Like I used to address this shit very harsh and very in a judgmental way. It was not coming from a place of love. I did fall into, and again, it's on a different podcast, but I'll just tell you, like I did fall into the eating our own. I did this whole like us against them mentality. And it was us like this kind of female cop versus that kind of female cop. Like what the fuck is that bullshit? That was, that was a girl who was insecure and I was trapped in fear. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I can, and I can tell you this, um, I still keep that stuff up because I want people to see how far I've come and I want women to see like, yeah, this is, this is like what perpetuates, but we don't have to be that way. Cause I'm not that way anymore. And, um, I will tell you this, I think it is so what you just said, I just want to highlight is you said, I went to this other police department and I had an opportunity to, you know, redeem myself or have a different reputation. And that's exactly what I, I mean, I did it that I did it at the, at that police department (laughs) because I didn't have a choice, but like, and then, and here, here's, I will say this for any woman who's listening and have, and can relate to Tina and I is here's the, here's the great thing that came from that. The great thing that came for that for me, Tina, and I'd love to hear what came from it for you is I had to go all in on my work. There was none of this. It's, who, you know, it's not what, no, 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 no. I fucking, I tunnel visioned it. The only people that I really spoke to were my direct coworkers who were all veteran, like 50 plus year officers. Like, so there was, there was, I just set hard lines, hard boundaries for myself. I, there was no bubbly personality. There absolutely was no flirting. There was no co-curricular activity. Like I just doubled down and, and it took me, it took me a couple of years and, and, but once the, my coworkers finally were like, okay, she, you know, she's, she does her work. She's all right. Like if I get into a fight, she'll be okay. Right. Like, cool. And then, and, you know, and then you go to the next police department and then you have to build from there because, oh, you know, whatever. But I just want to say to any woman listening to this, who well, maybe you've made some mistakes, yada, yada. It doesn't matter. You can always redeem yourself. And, and own them. Right. And I, I think, you know, like when I speak and I say the things I just said to you on this podcast and people are looking at me, they're like, oh, I cannot believe she's like saying this out loud. And it's not fun for me. I mean, it's not. I don't I don't. I don't that's not a part of me. I want people to know. But I also know that I feel like it's going to help them. And I was the same as you. What happened was I went to this police department. I doubled down. I yelled a lot. Um, I was really mean. Um, I was a bitch um, because I was like, I am. I'm going to fucking make this happen. Like this is happening. I don't care who I've got to take out right in my way. And if you're in my way, I'm going to take you out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'm hope you're enjoying it and getting some good stuff, mind shifting things from this. I just wanted to remind you super quick that if we are not hanging out on social media, we should be, you should come hang out with me. Um, I am the Autumn Clifford on Instagram. I'm Autumn Clifford on TikTok. And I have a Facebook group called She's an Asset. Love to have you there. Love to hang out with you and get to know you. Thank you so much for supporting my show. Let's continue. 
Um, and that was in 2003 when I started at the, the new police department. And I really, I, it, was, it was bad till about 2011. And in 2011, I took some good self-evaluation time. And because people were like, if she gets promoted, we're leaving. I won't, I won't work for her. Um, and yeah, I was doing well. I mean, I was getting promoted on through the ranks. But I realized that other people matter and I can be successful in what I think, but if there's nobody around me, then what does that success even mean? Um, and so I started, stopped being a bitch basically and realized that I can care about people and that I can show empathy and compassion and, um, and still be successful. I, I didn't feel like I could. I felt like if I did that, then that was me being too much of a woman. Um, and then I realized that's not true. That's actually what makes, makes me different. And I ended up being the, being promoted to captain, the only female captain of this agency. Um, and I'm, nobody can ever take that away from me. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud of that, but that also wasn't who I was. I was Tina. The rank wasn't, didn't define me. And so I ended up leaving that department and actually going, I took a $40,000 pay cut to go work for the state police academy and teach supervision and leadership and people were all like oh my god like you've worked so hard I'm like yeah I, I have and I'm proud of it but I was working I and I'd done a lot of it to myself I had piled stuff on my plate piled stuff on my plate piled stuff on my plate and and I was working a lot 70 to 80 hours a week it was just too much but I knew I knew it was not going to stop because now I've created this you know, this is what she does. <laughs> and when you stop that, that's not acceptable because then it's like, what happened? Right. Um, and so I went to teach for the police academy and taught leadership and supervision and loved it. Um, I really, I love teaching anyway. Um, but also I realized that, you know, I think sometimes people think the place is going to fall down without us and, you know, understanding that your family, and that's the reason I left my husband, I don't have kids, but my husband, you know, was never even, he didn't see me uh, ever. Um, and I kept finding myself going, when I retire, we can do all the things when I retire. Mm -hmm. And when I had a friend, um, that was killed and there was a big shooting in Florence, South Carolina in 2018, um, seven police officers were shot, two were killed and one was a dear friend of mine. And when Farrah got killed, I was like, you know what? No, like this whole, when I'm, when I retire, no, because life's too short. And that's when I made the decision to leave and go work at the police academy. And that's an eight to five job you know, no stress, no weekends, no call out. And, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. And then I retired last year. We both retired. actually. I retired last year. My husband just retired a month ago. So happy retirement. That's amazing. Thanks. So, and I, and I just want to say, I'm very sorry about the loss of your friend. That's you. awful. Um, so, and then, but you've been doing this female police officer training since 2011. Yes. Um, so, and yes, go ahead. Sorry. I had to ask your question. That's okay. So, so, okay. Now let me, so you started and it, obviously, like you said, doesn't look like what it looks like today, but can you, can you tell, like, talk about it? I want to know, and I know the listeners want to know, like, what happens when we come? How do we come? What does it look like? Like, yeah, tell me all the things. So it started out really as just like shooting and fighting. Like it was just like, that's what it was for. Like teach them how to shoot, help their confidence in shooting, also help their confidence in fighting. And it's really evolved into much more than that. Um, it's really evolved into 
a community of women who come together from all over the country. Like we have a class in a couple of weeks and we have six different states, um, 11 different departments um, and they come together. And so really we start off with like, you know, kind of your why, you know, what are some issues, some differences between men and women? Maybe what are their expectations of the class? Some of them don't want to absolutely don't want to be there. And you can see it on their faces. Um, you know, I don't want to go train with a bunch of women. Uh, <laughs> we all we do is whine. I think that's what sometimes we think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in some of them, their departments force them to be there. And what I mean is sometimes departments think that like we're we have an issue or a problem or um, we're untrainable because sometimes we can be difficult. Um, only because we do want to succeed so bad um, that failure really, really inhibits our ability to grow. Once we've screwed up at something or messed something up, we we shut down. Um, and a lot of departments are like, well, fix her. That's what they tell me. I'm like, well, she's I not know. broken. She's not broken, first of all. But anyway, so they come and they don't want to be there. I get that phone call a lot too. Can you fix yeah. her? what? She's not broken. Um, but they don't, they don't know how to, to communicate and they don't understand what we think and why we're thinking the things we're thinking, like where our hangups and stuff are, which I understand they're men. So that's, that's understandable. But, um, so they come, it's, the facility is beautiful. It's like 200 acres and it's, um, a lot of 12 different ranges. And we've got like separate classroom. There's like a big bottom that has like dorm rooms in it and a big kitchen and a living room and a common area, a big fire pit out back. And we um, come together um, and then that night we hang out. Not everybody comes the night before just because of, you know, family and different things. Um, and so we just kind of chill that night. And then um, my husband cooks. So he um, cooks all the food. He like smokes a pork butt and we do pulled pork. And so the food is phenomenal. Um, and then we start out with kind of, I have usually have about four or five um, instructors that with me who are females from all over the state all different ranks from FTO to captain um, that just they're passionate about the class because they've been through it. So you can't, can't teach until you've been through it. And so they um, will come through it and say they have, you know, an interest in being one of the cadre. And so I have like a little interview process and um, yeah, so it's really cool. And so they, um, so we just kind of tell a little bit about ourselves and and then we start uh, shooting and fighting and doing DT. And, um, but it's also, an, like I said, it's an environment where if I say do this thing, I am like telling them why, not just do it because I said so. There's, you know, I'm giving them the, the why behind it. Um, and they really appreciate some of that, some of those insights. Um, like I said, cause some of them were just told shoot the gun this way and that's why they've done it. Um, and they don't really know why it's beneficial. Um, and then, because, and you know, like women, like a lot of times we are really good shots, but we get in our head and even I do. And I, and I know I'm a good shot, but, and it was funny because I was trying to train, I was practicing, we had a farm instructor research coming up and I was like super nervous about it because why, I don't know, I'd never failed it, but I was super nervous. Normal. So, yeah. My husband takes me to the range and he's like, what are you thinking about? I'm like, I don't know, did I turn my curling iron off? Did what do I need to get for groceries tonight? Did I feed the dog this morning? I need to vacuum. And he's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, why? What are you thinking about? He's like, um, front sight squeeze. That's it. I was like, yeah, well, women aren't built like that. Right. So, uh -huh. um, and so we talk about kind of those things and how, like, when I ask them, like, how many of them have ever shot perfect or do they think they could shoot perfect? It's really their mind that's telling them they can't. And that has nothing to do with their technique. 
Um, and so we just, you know, make it better for them. Cause I tell them like, you next time you go to the range, I want you to think I'm going to shoot perfectly. And if you don't, guess what? Who cares? You know, the guys go out there, they miss a shot. Oh, look, I threw one. Ha ha ha. We miss a shot. And we're like, oh my God, I shouldn't even be a police officer. Like it's so weird. <laughs> and so we build on that and um, just have different conversations about, um, uh, you know, sexual harassment. And a lot of times women need permission. Like they, they'll, and they, they'll call me and they'll be like, this thing is happening. Like, is this normal? And I'm, no, you need to file a complaint. That's not normal. That's not okay. Um, By the way, I want to pause. Do you have, um, do you have a resource for women? Do you have an attorney for women because that go through this? Because I want you to know I do. And I will give oh, good. you she's yes she's a former female officer she was the first female SWAT down officer down in Florida and yeah she's a wicked badass but what happened is she got fucking screwed over mm-hmm. and so she said you know what I'm not dealing with this went to law school and now that's, that's what she yeah so now that's what she focuses on I've got clients that have hired her and they are actively doing some things and uh, mm-hmm. yes yeah, so I want to give you her I want you to have her as a resource because she's incredible Oh, I would love that. I, I, when I, I just got through with a civil lawsuit and I mean, I just happened to have a good, he just was like, I didn't know him, um, but he was passionate about the case. And, um, and so he's, he's, he's awesome too. But, um, but I think just, I think sometimes we get told like, you know, put on your big girl panties, you should yes. be able to take a joke. Right. And when, yeah. And when, and some of the things, yes. Right. Some things right. I'm like, oh, that's just banter. Like that isn't inappropriate. Like, I mean, but if it is, then tell them that made you feel uncomfortable. Don't just take it. But it's also, you know, I told, I would tell when I was teaching leadership supervision, I'm like, yeah, like I, I can take a criminal saying weird, gross, dirty things to me. I, I signed up for that. But I shouldn't have to put on my bulletproof vest to come to the office to have a conversation with a coworker. Like I shouldn't have to protect myself from y'all. Yes. And when I said that in that way, they were like, oh my God, I never thought about that. And I'm like, yeah. And the other thing is, I think we've also been conditioned to like, you know, praise in public, discipline in private. That's what we've always been told. And so when you have someone that says something that's inappropriate, especially if you're a supervisor, you're like, well, I can't say anything to them because it's not, you're supposed to discipline in private, but also giving them permission to say no. When it's something like that, when it comes to cultural norms, if you don't correct it on the spot, it will never get corrected because people are going to think it's okay. You know, Um, it's, you bring up a really valid point when I was, I just remember, and I'm sure you have a thousand of these stories, but when I was on the road and I was, I was new, um, it was, I had two coworkers and my Sergeant standing there. I'll never forget it. It was like 3. AM. We had just gotten off a call. And so, you know how that is. It's 3. AM. Everybody gets off a call. So now we're all going to go shoot the shit. And so now we're shooting the shit and we're sitting outside of our cruisers. And I don't know how it happened, but they, these guys, they were like, they used to bust my balls and shit, like whatever I could take that. But then, but then, but there's a line. And then they crossed the line and I'll never forget it, Tina. My sergeant was like standing in, I was standing next to my sergeant and then the two officers were on each side of us. So I felt like I was standing in the middle of this and they're like, just started like very badly Oh, fucking Clifford. She's, um, she's like the neighborhood tricycle. Oh yeah. She's like the fuck. She's like a doorknob. Everybody gets a turn. Like, I mean, they're just, that's what they're saying. And oh my, my sergeant just fucking sat there and I look at him. I'm like, are you, f-? and I go, are you fucking kidding with me right now? 
Like, yeah, I can take a joke and we can all be funny, but like, this isn't funny. And it, you are going down a really bad road. And he just sat there. You go, oh, oh this is kind of funny. Cause he kind of thought it was funny, you know? But what happens then is now you look like you're like sensitive, you know? It's like, oh, well, look at her now. She's getting on now. We're making her mad. And it's like, no, it's not okay. Like, stop it. And having but like I said with a lot of times we need permission when everyone else around us is laughing we think well, we're just supposed to laugh too like that's just what we're supposed to do when absolutely not um the sexual harassment case that I had was against the chief and I'd never met him and in my life and I was doing I worked part-time for an association in the state and it was a conference and we were doing check-ins and our so our phone numbers were were public because if they needed something, they could call us. And um, without prompting, it was like 30 weird, sexually charged, racially charged um, texts, like 30 of them in like 10 minutes. And I look at my phone and I'm like, what in the world? And who is this? And why is, do I have all these text messages? And then, and, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I can be pretty crass, but I looked at these and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to throw up. Like these are absolutely disgusting. And so I thought we filed a complaint with the town administrator because in South Carolina, the only person that can discipline the chief is like, if they're it's a strong mayor, it's the mayor or it's the town administrator. And they didn't do anything, nothing, not one thing. And I was like, you know what, if they're not going to hold him accountable, then we, because I'm like, if he's texting me these things that he, somebody he doesn't even know, mm-hmm. what is he doing to the female officers that work for him? Exactly. And I just felt this really deep desire to feel like I needed to protect them. That's not my job, but I was like, I'm doing it. And so we ended up, I ended up filing a lawsuit against the town and and him um, went to mediation. We settled, but he's still the chief. He still is. This is disgusting. But the good thing is, and it was not fun. I've never been through a civil lawsuit and they they got my medical records for my whole life. And I'm like, what? Why do they need to look at my medical records? For my whole life because I got a text message and they had the text message. It's not like it was like some secret, like probably they printed they out were, and given to them. Probably because they were going to try to paint the picture that you were crazy, right? They were. And that's, and that's what my attorney said. Well, he said like, or if like you went to the doctor and you were depressed the week before, I was like, first of all, what if I did go to the doctor and I was depressed? Like it has nothing to do with it. So that made me real angry. Um, but what came out of it was an employee. Um, she had quit under hostile work environment and she had quit. But when she found out that I had a lawsuit, she felt like empowered. And so she's now suing them federally. Um, And so it was just like one of those things where I was like, it didn't matter how much I went through. If that was, if I did it for that, then that's enough for me. Um, And she, 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 because she worked for them will get, I mean, she will, she will be substantial because the complaints were already in about my lawsuit. So they knew that, but they can't say they didn't realize this behavior was happening. Um, So. And the, yeah, and we need to be okay with that. <laughs> like it's, it's time that we start standing up and saying, no, we are not going to stand for this anymore. And, you know, it's, it's funny. I had somebody that I, that was, that I respected very much. So made one comment to me one day and it sent me down a spiral and he was like, so I guess you're part of that hashtag me too. <laughs> like, oh um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Get sexual assault. Yep. Pretty much. But it was just like it's that 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 kind of environment and that culture is what one of the things that I fought so much to change. And my little piece of law enforcement, um, and I still 
still fight for that today and, and still train on that. And, you know, understanding just because we're changing something doesn't mean we were doing it wrong before. It just means we're changing it. Yes. And we, we need to change because society is changing and, and our profession needs to step up. Um, yeah. So. And I fully agree. Um, Tina, what, so can you tell us the curriculum? So like when, when we come sign up, so we know that we're going to do firearms training and we know we're going to do defensive tactics. Yeah. What else? And how long is this? It's three days. Um, and, uh, we'll do some physical stuff. And a lot of times people are like, I'm not in really good shape. Well, it's not really about your shape because the people who come, they get pushed to their limit. Not, not everybody is on the same level. I mean, I've had professional MMA fighters come to the training and they get pushed because that's their limit. And, and then the other ones who might be a little overweight or should be working out and don't, um, I think they start to realize that they need to go to the gym more. Cause that's the other thing that, that I preach is that like, you're the only one that can control your physical fitness. And if you can't do some of these things, then when you can't back your people up or you can't carry them out of where they need to be carried out of, that's on you. Mm-hmm. And if you know that, then you need to fix it. Um, you know, I'm, I don't say I'm tough on them, but I am like we, you know, it's like you need to push yourself. There's a lot of um, some physical, there's a couple of competitions that they have to do like a little stress course that they do some DT stuff and running. Um, there's some, uh, we do some like weights where you clean the different, you know, dumbbell and then you shoot and clean some more and shoot, clean some more and shoot. So um, some suicides, um, there's a workout every day. Um, and so we, you know, incorporate physical fitness because I don't think we focus enough on that. Um, you, you start, you become a cop and you got to pass the pat. But then after that, our physical agility test is what we call it. I don't know what y'all call it, but, um, but then after that, if we don't care. I mean, yep. you can be fat and it's mm-hmm. fine. And it's like, no, it's, it's not fine. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so, so yeah, so, so we do some, um, some jujitsu, some crav, um, some scenarios with um, airsoft, there's like decision making, nice. um, and what we'll do some night fire because they don't usually get a lot of that as well. Um, do some building clearing um, with the airsoft too. So just some instruction because some we know some states don't train on some of that. So we give some you know just some instruction and we just do you know because we know they're gonna mess it up. It's fine. Learn you know learn from your mistakes. But um, I think that's it. Uh, it sounds it sounds incredible it sounds incredible and so where would we go to sign up tina um so our website oh and we also have north american rescue come and they do a tactical or a, um combat casual care block too with tourniquets and stuff um and so it's fortistactical.com and we have i think two spots left in september and then i just opened a december class nice. um and then and if people are flying in like one of the things we get is, well, can we stay like, can we come a day early? And yes, the facility is there. They're open. So people can stay the night before, but it's 750 bucks, but that includes all your lodging, all your food, uh, all the training. Um, and so it's really all inclusive. And I think the departments really kind of eat that up <laughs> and because they don't have to worry about like finding rooms or hotels and per diem and all that. It's just everything is there. Um and we have, so we get, so they all, you know, we have competitions. So when they win, I have patches, not today patches that I've made and they get patches for winning the competitions. And then we also have a special coin 
um, that was made because Farah came through um, all of the phases before she was killed. And so we have a Farah Turner coin. It's a, like a warrior coin that we made in her honor. And the class votes on the attendee, the class and the instructors vote on the attendee that they feel like embodied her warrior spirit. Because when she was shot, um, she actually lived for 14 days before she should come to her wounds. They had, they had, had to end up amputating her feet and her legs because her body just wasn't um, moving blood around, but she was fighting so hard that they were trying to save her too. But um, so we uh, talk about her um, and then at the end of the class, they vote and they get um, the coin and it's really powerful. And, um, and by the end of it, they feel like they've accomplished something. And yes. most of them, even when they came hating it, mm-hmm. they leave feeling like, okay, like this, it makes sense. And they feel like they, and we have a secret Facebook page that everybody gets added on. And we take hundreds of thousands of pictures during the class. And so they get pictures and videos of themselves. And, and I have several girls who come to class together. They like go on vacation yearly together now. Like it just, it, it warms my heart. And, um, but it's also a place where if they have a question, they can just like ask a question um, on the Facebook page and get, you know, it's like 500 people on the page. And um, so that's cool to see them do that Love too. That. These are our shirts and yeah. it was funny because they'll go to like a conference or something and they'll get on the page and they're like, if you're coming to this conference, wear a false shirt so we can find each other. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. I love that. That's amazing. I love the camaraderie. So good. That's the best. That's the best. So thank you so much, Tina. This is, thank I'm you. so happy to have you on. This is such a wonderful resource um, ladies do not sleep on this at all. And, you know, I, I bet your agency would send you, but if they don't, it doesn't matter. $750 is nothing for three days. We have a lot of ladies that pay out of their pocket. They have one from Connecticut who she's like, can I pay you every month? And I was like, yep. So she gets an invoice and she pays a little bit every month so that she can afford to come. Her department's going to let her drive her patrol car and give her the ammo, but they were not going to pay. And so we have a lot of ladies that, that, that pay for their own way. I love that. All right. So, and where, how can we find you on Instagram? Fortis Tactical. Okay. Can you spell it? Yep. F-O-R-T-I-S-T-A-C-T-I-C-A-L. Good. Okay. I'm going to put that in the show notes, ladies, but uh, make sure that you go check Tina out. I love watching her social media. I love everything that you're doing down there. Um, and I want, I want as many of our listeners to come down because this training is invaluable. Everything that you're saying, the camaraderie, the everything. So I'm so excited to have you on here. Thank you for taking the time. Before we hop off, is there anything that you would like to leave our listeners with? Um, One of the things that really I think it's important is to understand, to highlight the fact that you're a woman. Um, Be proud. Don't try to hide it. Um, Because I have a lot of ladies that say, well, what if I get this job because I'm the only girl to put in? Who cares? Who cares? Get the job and then go do, go fucking kill it. Like, like don't let that stuff, but also understand that men will, will put in for a job before they're ready. Women will not put in for a job or promotion until they're like 110% ready. And what happens is we wonder why there's no women sitting at the table. Mm -hmm. Well, you're never really going to be fully ready, right? It's just the way it is. Like put in for the job and Mm -hmm. then find resources and people out there who've done it before don't try to reinvent the wheel and but put in and take those chances because that's the only way that that we're going to have that be at the table is if we fight to sit there 
I love it. Absolutely. All right, Tina, thank you so much. Thank you to our listeners and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the She's an Asset podcast. If you wouldn't mind, could you please share this out? The only way we grow and I can get this out to as many people as possible is with your help. So we're kind of in this together. And the good thing is, is I know you have my back. So uh, I want to say thank you and ask for you to share the show. And if we're not hanging out in the socials, I hope that you'll come and hang out with me. I'm Autumn Clifford pretty much everywhere. Thank you so much. See you next time.